0: The following is sponsored by Divine Providence, new from PNR Publishing. Reformed theology for real life. Visit prpbooks.com. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt. Mortification of Spin is a podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation.
1: Well, you are listening to Mortification of Spin. My name is Todd Pruitt, and with me as always is Carl Truman. Um, I'm a pastor of a PCA church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Carl is a professor at Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania, and it's great to uh, be with you all today. Carl, good to see you, even if it's only uh, via Zoom. I actually kind of like the distance a little bit, you know, because I can at any point I can mute you or even just uh, turn off. You t- turn thing off and I don't have to look at you, which is kind of nice. Yeah.
2: Sorry, Todd. I-, I had you muted there. I, <laughs> yeah, think yeah, that's I thought so. I thought
1: so. <laughs> Carl, as I'm looking at um, at your cranium and my cranium, yeah. I'm thinking back to like 12 or 13 years ago when I met you and both of us had, had appreciably more hair. We did. We at that did. point. And it's just a sad sight to see. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at you and thinking, do I look that bad? You do, you do.
2: Yeah. I, I think the answer is we married the wrong women, of course.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I always said to my wife, I had a full head of hair till I married you. Now that's what it yeah. is. That's, that's what nice. it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're uh, we're pleased uh, today uh, with our guests. We're not we're not pleased about the subject, but we are pleased with our guests today. Um, Rosaria Butterfield and Joshua Gillo are with us now. Josh is well. Josh, why don't you just kind of you you work closely with with uh, Peter Jones and Truth Exchange? Kind of tell us real quickly. Um, uh about uh, truth exchange and what you do um uh in in conjunction with dr jones's work
3: we are a cultural apologetics ministry that assesses things that happen in the culture through the uh apostle paul's words in romans 125 where we have exchanged the truth of god for the lie and we worship and serve creation rather than a creator who is blessed forevermore so paul sets up Mm -hmm. that really crucial antithesis of worship of creation versus worship of the triune maker of heaven and earth who gives us distinctions. And so many of the problems that we see in contemporary society are this rejection of that binary system, right? Because God is a God who makes distinction. He is holy. He is other. And we read in the beginning that he makes day and night, light and darkness, land and sea, heavens and the earth, male and female, And some of the problems with this whole gender blur that we often hear about in the news is that rejection of a binary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. And um, Rosaria Butterfield is our other guest. And Rosaria has been on before. Um, uh, Our folks certainly know Rosaria. Rosaria, um, of course, author, speaker, lecturer and sock maker. Even as we are on here, she is knitting socks. I'm really impressed by that. (laughs) I mean, you know, you're you're either like baking pies or making socks or or writing books. That's kind of um,
4: well. It just it the the whole knitting socks things keep it just keeps me out of trouble. It keeps me focused. <laughs> I don't have a I don't have a pipe to smoke like you right. two. So I have my socks to knit. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Of course, keeping you out of trouble. There are some that would say you you're you're always in trouble. You know, or causing trouble. Right. I mean, you know. But all but you know, as Carl told me a long time ago, um, someone without enemies is someone without honor. So. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I keep that in mind.
2: That's I how that I console mind. myself
1: and you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, as as you might gather, um, you who are listening, um, uh, we have these two uh, guests on. They Either one of them can speak on any number of issues, but uh, we've asked them to come on and, and talk about what is at this point and has been really since 2018 a very pressing issue for evangelicals and, oddly enough, in the, quote, Bible-believing conservative evangelical circles, and even more specifically, even among some reformed denominations like my own, uh, the PCA. And of course, I'm talking about Revoice, um, so-called side B homosexuality, gay Christianity, gay but celibate, et cetera, et cetera, all the different uh, nomenclature that we've learned in the last uh, number of years. And Josh, I want to ask you, you attended the very first Revoice conference Um, held at Memorial PCA Church in St. Louis back in 2018. You wrote and and talked about that quite a bit, gave, I thought, very thoughtful critique and commentary. Um, You've stayed kind of abreast at what they have been up to. And then you attended this most recent conference, which was in Dallas um, back in, um, when was that, Josh?
3: It was in the beginning of uh, October, so October October 6th. They're the ninth, I think the dates were, yeah. yeah. So, uh,
1: Josh, I wonder if you could just kind of help us out. Uh, what did you see and here? And, and I mean, as we were talking before, uh, you were gravely concerned in 2018 with what you saw at Revoice and Heard. And many of us who listened um, to the main lectures, as well as some of the breakout sessions, which can be found in YouTube, were gravely concerned. And unfortunately, um, it's just gotten worse. What were your main takeaways uh, and, and concerns from this year?
3: Yeah, so for for the first Revoice in 2018, nobody knew exactly what was going to take place. You had many people writing about it, blogging about it, um, podcasting about it, talking about it on the news, Christianity Christianity Today. And so when I attended, I wasn't sure what to expect other than the fact that I had bought a ton of books by some of the, the speakers. And when I attended, there was a wide spectrum of people who attended there, those who were gay Christian curious, people who were side A, people who were clearly side B, and then there was a random Presbyterian showing up. And uh, you had people in all kinds of of outfits uh, from -hmm. from, uh, flamboyancy. There was one young man who walked up and the tip of his penis was hanging out his shorts. Uh, There was deep caressing and hugging. And by, by the way, we should probably put a PG-13 because this is probably not children friendly. So mom and yeah. dad, you don't want to be listening to this episode while you're dro- dropping your children off at school. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that was a, quite a, a, a culture shock for me. This current event, though, uh, and fast forward, it was a bit more tame in terms of uh, what I experienced visually. Mm-hmm. You didn't have some of that flamboyancy. However, it was one thing that was certain is that there is an ideology of side B. Gay Christianity—that is something that is redeemable within the Christian faith—and mm-hmm. the language of Revoice, of course, as you know and many listeners have have heard through your podcast uh, and in the writings that have come from t- um, you yourself, Todd, or from Carl—it's it, drastically changed. Mm-hmm. the The thing, though, that is is curious is that while they'll make statements on the website, we do not believe in this. We do believe in that is that they contradict those statements often. One of those statements that they contradicted this year that I thought was not surprising, but again, something that needs to be said is that they, they on the website, they don't believe that gay orientation, same-sex attraction, the, or the aesthetic, as Nate Collins put it, hmm. is pre-fall. However, they'll make jokes about, well, it's not your fault, straight Christian, that God made you straight and as though that god makes people gay as a blessing. Mm-hmm. Nick Collins furthered that point in his his TED talk. They had the talk split up into about 30 minute, 20 minute sections. And he likened the same sex orientation as god beautifies it and makes it a city. He used this the eschatological language mm-hmm. of the prophets that god adorns this and this is to be shining. And the theme of this year's event was fullness. And so, the, the gay Christian identity is to be that salt and light, yeah. that city on the hill. And it's an interesting shift that the gay Christian almost becomes a type of priestly uh, position, right? And which is, which is funny. Because in, in the history of homosexuality in broader culture, the shamans and neo-pagan spirituality have always been deeply linked to the homosexual lifestyle. Yeah. So this year, the, like I said, is the, the theme was fullness. And each year had a, had, a, had a particular theme, of course, and it was commented, you'll notice that we have A a purpose for all these various themes, and that is discipleship. This is the gay identity, is that we are discipling. So, again, it puts and positions them in such a way that, straight Christian, don't you know, you need to come to us because you have caused much problem. You have caused much hurt and pain, trauma. Trauma was a big focus this year that we have experienced. The gay Christian has experienced so much trauma. It's time for you to sit down. Be quiet, and hear from us as we instruct you and we disciple you.
1: It sounds so much like the language that we get from critical race theory in terms of the the authority of lived experience. It's an Mm -hmm. unquestioned authority,
2: but it Mm -hmm. connects to this valorization of gay
1: celibacy, Uh, right? That there's
2: you know, know, I have I have a son, a young, my youngest son is not married. uh, I've never quite understood why him merely obeying what the Bible teaches about the nature and context of sexual activity i e it shouldn't take place outside of the context of marriage is just routine obedience mm-hmm. in a way that that if he was uh, same sex attracted to use the terminology, he would somehow become a, a sacrificial martyrdom yeah. uh, it's a very interesting uh, concept. I wonder if Rosario, if you have any comments on, yeah, on no,
4: that. No, a- absolutely. I-, I think that one of the things that ha- tripped us up early on with revoice is that we didn't understand its postmodern context. It communicates by postmodern, yeah. by a postmodern discourse. And what I mean by that is postmodernism communicates by innuendo and by questioning hmm. And by, um, by uh, self assertion, by victimhood, by the idea that if your truth hurts my reality, then it can't be true. And so that is part of why we were busy thinking, you know, in, in sort of straightforward ways that a statement of faith might be a statement of faith. But, you know, I, I, we, I went out on a limb in 2018. And Carl, I know because you and I talked about that, that limb, we've sometimes talked about those those thin branches I I swing from, but I went out on a limb um, in 2018 and I said, revoice is false teaching. Um, False teaching has false teachers. Those false teachers are in the PCA, Mm -hmm. um, well-decorated and very happy. And it is neo-orthodoxy and not even as Machen pointed out, not even Jesus was successful at calling the righteous to salvation. So I don't think Greg Johnson will be. Mm. And um, that that got a lot of people. You know, there's there. Was, there uh, you know, nobody threw a um, an Easy Bake Oven at me, but I, I think I think there were people who might have wanted to. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, I'll tell you, I I wish I had been wrong. May I say that? Yeah. I really do. I've 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 you know I've publicly repented for any any number of stupid things I've said along the course of my life, including my Christian life. I wish I had been wrong but instead what we see is what we always see. Mm -hmm. We see an escalation of sin. Sin never stays where you put it. It it can't. And so as Josh was saying, you know, you have in Revoice um, a swapping of all kinds of things, an exchange of all kinds of things, certainly truth for lies, certainly homosexuality and heterosexuality are swapped. But one of the biggest things that is also swapped out is actual saving faith. Mm-hmm. No one talks about being delivered from homosexuality. Yeah. Um, there's no question. homosexuality is part of my biography, but it's not part of my nature. Yeah. And it wasn't part of my nature from the minute the Lord justified me.
3: That's the something that that they do focus on is is to to shame the church for wanting to hope and believe. Yeah that people can actually walk out of that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And since we're confessing things, I'm gonna confess something, is that I had been a bit naive about Revoice and the Side B culture. I had thought that the folks that here that are are being committed to the celibacy, I had thought that they were committed, that their big sin, their big problem was with gay pornography. Mm -hmm. And what became very apparent was that there was a time of confession and even when I sat down with other people at lunchtime, massive con- confession to actually hooking up and and participating mm-hmm. in sodomy and and all kinds of sexual behavior. That I I just thought that I thought the best for these folks that they're really trying hard. Mm-hmm. That their biggest issue, their biggest hurdle, is just not clicking and looking at porn. But it's actually yeah. practicing and living that way. Mm-hmm. And it's no surprise because there's the encouragement of going out to gay bars and participating in just the broader sense of that gay culture. That it is good for society.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And how could it not be, Josh? Right? How could it not be if you don't repent of your sin at the desire for it? If you only look at sin as a physical problem, you don't need a savior. You need an exercise program or something. Mm -hmm. If if sin is merely physical and not ethical. You know, it, it, it makes it, it just it, it, it's an impossible battle. But, you know, this this thing, this, this this thing that always comes up with Revoice and all these folks is how how terrible, you know, the church has been and how how much they have been abused by the church. And this is where it just helps to sometimes, you know, have an honest conversation about, well, what does happen in gay relationships yeah. You know, is the grandma in the church looking askance at your gay attire more traumatic than anal prolapse Mm. and needing to wear depends after the age of 40? I mean, I'm I'm just following Josh's lead now since this is PG thirteen. We can you know, we I mean seriously.
1: It it has to be named. This is part of the problem, is we haven't named it, it's gotta be named.
4: And and you know, and how about the the severe um emotional and, um, you know, verbal abuse in lesbian relationships. And I, and I think if, if I want to fault the church at all, and I'm going to say, I'm going to fault myself on this, because one of the things that, that I was hesitant to do early on is to just speak clearly. The sin of homosexuality is the sin of violating the creation mandate. The sin of transgenderism is the sin of envy and the violation of the tenth commandment. Mm-hmm. These are fairly simple, straightforward things. Now, sin, make, sin always makes more work for all of us. So, especially those who, those of us who have been caught up in in this particular sin, this is a, this is a bear.
2: Yeah.
4: This is a, you know, because your sexual patterning is not it. You know, it is a worse kind of sin. In so far as the you know the really feeling free of it because yeah. uh, you know sexual sin is a sin against your body and it creates all kinds of patterns but yeah so I think we've just you know we've we've really tripped up and and I'm thinking here about First um, Thessalonians um, four fourteen that we are to admonish the unruly encourage the faint hearted and help the weak and if we're talking about people who are actually Desiring to be liberated and delivered from homosexuality such that they are no longer gay, you're going to see all three of those kinds of people. But why are we so duped by by these deceivers to believe that um, celebrating your sin is struggling with it? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're to look at your sin through the crosshairs of an instrument of execution. That means that you're not supposed to see your sin at a you know as a selfie at a revoice conference with all the bling and the bang. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you can't have both. So I think part of the difficulty is that we haven't just said, look, um, look, excuse me, Mister Wolf, you're a liar. Mm-hmm. You're a liar, and I don't believe you. And if you're a Christian, I'm not buying that part either.
2: Compounding that, uh, and Josh, you're you an eyewitness to this, but I think we've all read the the World article from a week ago, which clearly indicated that it's it's gone beyond what we might call LGB stuff. Yep, that we are now seeing the 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 multitudinous categories of queer theory. Yeah. Arriving on the conference floor now, whether the conference attendees are aware that these categories are the queer theory categories is another matter. There are people involved in Revoice who are clever enough to know what's going on. Is it is it the case, Josh, that we're now seeing, you know, the the rainbow alliance in all of its glory and all of its
3: confusion? When so, when I signed up or when I came in, walked through those doors to register that I was present they had the whole table lined with stickers of pronoun stickers. Mm-hmm. And they asked me, how do you identify? Yeah. And I looked down at, at, at all the stickers and I thought, I'm not playing this game. Yeah. I said, I identify as I was made. I'm a male. Yeah. And my concern, gentlemen, Rosaria is, so the first revoice, it was heavily attended. Memorial PCA Church was packed out. This year, I did a head count of, of about 280 people. Hmm. And my deep concern is that this ideology is not fading, but is so deeply penetrated into the minds of millennials and Gen Zers that they almost feel like it's not important to even come. In fact, some of the, the people who have spoken at Revoice events, events or people that are looked to as as, as the voice for the side B, even look at revoice and say, they don't speak for the, the totality of the side B movement.
1: Yeah.
3: Right. So you have Grant Hartley, and I'm going to read this. One of the things he had tweeted, Grant Hartley was one of the first speakers at the, at the first revoice. He gave the lecture, former student at Covenant Seminary. He, he swam the Tiber, so now he's a Roman Catholic, and he's being trained, I believe, to go into the priest hood in the Roman church. Grant Harley, he was the speaker at the first Revoice. His lecture was on the queer treasure in the New Jerusalem. And he said this during, and tweeted this out right after the Revoice event this year. He said, my coming out is not confession of sin, but the offering of a gift, not only the gift of my vulnerability, but the gift of my love for men. There are plenty of sins I have to confess, but being gay is not one of them.
1: That's dark. And unfortunately, that's perfectly consistent with much of what you hear from from Revoice. And I can tell you this, it's consistent with, and this goes to, to Josh, what you alluded to earlier. They say one thing in one context and then say something else different. That's perfectly in line with some things that Greg Johnson has said. Now, he'll say the opposite in one interview, but then he'll say basically that in in another setting.
3: Carl, you pointed that also out in your recent article on the World Opinion piece about how high profiles would comment or critique revoice, and they would say, oh, you just don't understand us, or that's not true, or they would make all kinds of excuses. I think you put it more brilliantly, and I'm totally butchering how you said it. And that's constantly the problem.
2: Yeah, and I've had some reaction. You know, I, I deliberately put that in because I knew that would be, that has been part of the reaction, and I knew it would be part of the reaction to that article. And, you know, these people are nothing if not predictable. Uh, you don't understand. Right. Uh, you, you know, you, you're not connected in such a way that you would be able to grasp what's going on. Uh, it's, it's part of a rhetorical strategy. Yeah. that really precludes any constructive engagement. I mean, I said in an article, one of the reasons I didn't sign the Nashville Statement, well, there are a number of reasons. One of them was I signed the Westminster Standards. There's a whole lot of stuff there. I, don't, I can't keep signing stuff. <laughs> uh, secondly, I, I, in 2016, I wasn't convinced that the discussion was over. Not that I changed my position, but I really felt there were people connected to Revoice that were winnable. And I'm always worried that petitions, et cetera, can be like blunt instruments. And once you signed those things, it's done. You, you can't have the discussion anymore. It was, you know, it was one of the few points in my adult life when I look back and think, well, that was naively optimistic of you, True. But <laughs> that is not something I'm typically accused of. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I'm still glad I took the position I did mm-hmm. because I would never have known otherwise. Yeah. But now I'm thinking, no, there was never really any constructive discussion here. Maybe one or two people here and there. I don't know. I mean, I did qualify what I said to say, you know, I've not followed every in and out of every discussion of every revoicer and every anti-revoicer out there. So maybe there was some constructive discussion. But by and large, what I saw was just your hateful people or your ignorant people or your ignorant, hateful people.
1: Mm -hmm. When it became clear to me that some of the clarity in the nashville statement was needed was in 2019 the summer a year after the first revoice pca's general assembly in dallas texas um, greg johnson took to the floor to speak against uh, an overture whereby the pca was going to say we commend the nashville statement as a biblical a biblically faithful statement you know we don't adopt statements you know just we commend it as biblically faithful And he stood up to speak against that. And what he spoke, what he chose to speak against specifically was Article 7 in the Nashville Statement, which incidentally, I would have thought would have been one that he said. Now, obviously, I do agree with that one. Can you remind us of what Article 7 is? Article 7 is uh, we reject, uh, I'm I'm paraphrasing, we reject um, a a homosexual identity. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he said, Mm -hmm. that excludes me from the floor of GA. Mm -hmm. After having said, Many times, oh, Greg Johnson does not uh, accept a gay identity. It's not about his identity. (laughs) He said, right there. And he has since said, so so again, there's been, I'm just going to call it at this point, I can't accept some of this stuff as anything other than dishonesty. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. These are intelligent, competent individuals. And so, Rosario, my, my question to you, because there are a lot of folks out there that haven't been following this and aren't reading. Uh, um, a lot of theology on sanctification. And as you know, Carl mentioned, his world peace concupiscence and this kind of thing, they might just read the merest of statements from supporters of Revoice and say, oh, we agree. They say marriage mm-hmm. should be between a man and a woman. So what's the big deal about? I mm-hmm. wonder, Rosario, if you could just quickly tell folks what we disagree about actually matters a big, big deal.
4: Yeah, it, it really, really does. And I'm so glad. And I'll tell you, I think Mary Jackson's World Magazine piece and mm-hmm. Carl, yours as well, And before that, the Nashville statement, I think there are certain key things that have just moved the conversation, framed it in a really good way. And we have a new game now, and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm glad for that. But what I would say, and I think that Mary Jackson does an excellent job quoting um, uh, Stephen Moss, who is one of the founders of Revoice. He's a founder of Revoice. and Then all of a sudden he sort of disappears from the face of the earth. And I um, had the opportunity to, to, to talk with, with uh, Stephen and get to know him really well. I really I, I, I love him as a brother um, and to ha- have a better understanding of just what happened. You know, sometimes in this particular movement, those of us who have been, uh, you know, in the gay rights movement, you know, we get to talk to each other and say, how'd you get out? Yeah. You know, <laughs> how yeah. they let you out of the zoo? What happened right. Um, and you know what Stephen would would say is that he started to repent of his sin at the level of desire. And this amazing thing happened. And of course, this is where, this is where true believers all look at each other across the Zoom screen and say, well, of course, God took away my unholy desire. Now he did He just recently got engaged, by the way. I know, I know. I praise God for that. <laughs> January. I'm so excited. Um so that's important. You know, that yes. there, so, so what you see here is people who say I identify as gay are also the same people who say I identify as Christian. Mm-hmm. And both your identity as gay and your identity as Christian could lead you to hell faster than anything. Because God doesn't care whether you identify mm-hmm. as Christian. Mm-hmm. Are you justified? Yeah. And if so, are you in the, in the arduous, process of dying Mm -hmm. to your sin? Have you learned how to hate your sin without hating yourself? And parents who want to deny their children the opportunity to know union with Christ in the deepest way, and that is repentance unto life, Mm -hmm. are, 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 you know, this is a a shameful thing. Do not deny your children. Okay, your child uh, has confessed to you that for as long as he can remember, he has had this unholy desire. Well, now take his hand and go to the cross. Yeah. But but um, so so it, you know it is a, it is um it is a bastardization of the Christian faith, the doctrine of sanctification, the doctrine of justification the repentance unto life. And it is deceptive. And one thing that has been happening, at least in my world, since Mary Jackson's piece, is that some PCA pastors who have been um, pretty sure I'm a meme and Joshua knows this, this is my new, you know, I turned 60. I have a new book coming out. Mm-hmm. um you know, cranky is the new winsome. But that's the motto. If you'd like to put it on the coffee mug. Yes. Go ahead. But I have been hearing from uh, PCA pastors who have not liked the positions I've been taking. Yeah. And they are saying, "I get it now. I'm. Yeah. I get it now. Yes. Yep, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm going to quietly back out. Right. I get it. And yeah. that's what we need. See, what we actually need is true believers to act like true believers. Um, because if God really loves the PCA, uh, Memorial is going to leave, and the Wolf Pack will follow. Right. So if God loves the PCA, you know, let him go.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's great. And As a PCA, PCA pastor, I endorse that message. It's <laughs> hey, always the OPC man. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's blissful over here. No problems at all.
2: <laughs> <Right>. So. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we don't approve of sexual relations. Period. So you'd be you'd be absolutely <laughs> fine. With so, so anyway, that's that's great. And I think that's a great way to end. Rosaria's point there, I think, is important. And one level, it, it's odd when I saw that report in World Magazine of Revoice. Uh, rejoice would be the wrong word, but mm. part of me actually felt at last we have clarity. Right, because people can get bamboozled by. Theologians making fine distinctions. And it's not that fine distinctions shouldn't be made. And it's not that there aren't complicated issues to wrestle Mm -hmm. with. But when you come down to preferred pronouns, when you come
1: down to queer theory, Mm -hmm. affinity groups that include pansexuality, uh,
2: most people get it. This Mm -hmm. is not about people struggling with something. This is about people glorying in something. And it's self evidently wrong. So right. part of me thought, at last, we we're actually, the mask is coming off at this point. We're seeing where it's going. So much more that could be said, but we're running out of time. So I want to thank our two guests, Rosaria Butterfield and uh, Josh Gilo, for joining us. Uh, please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, for more information on the Alliance. And while you're visiting our website, mortificationofspin.org, you could also have a chance to enter for this week's giveaway, which is a copy of the New Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality by Christopher Gordon, published by Gospel Reformation Network. We tried to get a pair of socks as uh, <laughs> an autographed by Mrs. Butterfield. And you have a new book coming out, Rosaria, is that mm-hmm. correct? And if you do watch,
4: what is the title of that one? I do. It's called Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age.
2: Excellent. Five Lives, written by the greatest of all the blue meanies out there, Merceria <laughs> Butterfield. Cranky is the new winsome. <laughs> Cranky <laughs> is the new winsome. You've got to write that book as well. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and, I, and I would say also check out um, uh, the uh, the website for Truth Exchange yeah. um, that Josh is a part of. It's a great ministry. They have lots and lots of really helpful content. Yeah.
2: All that remains is to thank you all for joining us and I say we look forward to being with you again next week.
0: I don't think we
1: could get Mr. Nixon to stand still for a socket to me.
0: Socket to me? <laughs> Hadar P&R Publishing presents another classic work in modern English for 21st century readers. Rigorous, practical, and deeply reverent, Divine Providence speaks to the struggles of believers today as it tackles difficult questions with biblical truth. Does God govern the world and how? Is he the author of sin? Why do good people suffer while bad people thrive? In this masterful discourse, Puritan theologian Stephen Charnock arms us to trust in the One who works all things for His glory and the good of the Church. This new edition introduces contemporary Christians to one of the greatest Puritan thinkers and the beauty of divine providence, the comforting truth that God is righteous, wise, and good, and nothing takes place that is not in His will. Include study questions for discussion. Divine Providence from P&R Publishing. Reformed theology for real life. Visit prpbooks.com.